What is up? Happy Wednesday. Welcome to the midweek edition of Couch Potato Diary. My name is Peter Klein. Thank you very much for tuning in today. If you want to get in touch with me on social media, Twitter and Instagram, I am at primetimeklein, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. You can email the show, couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. The music that is provided for the show is done so by Wasted Talent. Find their producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh music. So, was hoping to do NBA over-unders. I uh, did not realize those would go away after two games were played in the NBA season. So, had to do a bit of a pivot. We're still going to run through every NBA team because, quite frankly, I like to show off. Uh, <laughs> but now we're not going to have quite as much, um, I guess, on the line or quite as many opportunities to be right or wrong. So, we're going to go through that. Going to talk some early season overreactions in the National Hockey League. A pretty impressive win on Monday Night Football from the Titans. Uh, a couple of big games coming up in the CFL. And of course, Major League Baseball's postseason is on the go. And some storylines, some good, and some not awesome in Major League Baseball. So, let's begin with the NBA season preview. Um, going... Eastern Conference and Western Conference and going in alphabetical order. Then we're going to have kind of the, the predictions and the, the standings breakdowns after. So this isn't going to be uh, over-unders like I did the other ones, uh, just because, again, the timing was off on my part. So that's that's my bad. We start with the Atlanta Hawks, who last season make a run to the Eastern Conference Finals, aided by Ben Simmons losing his mind at some point and uh, forgetting how to make a layup. And we'll get to that story as it goes along. But th this is an Atlanta team that I, I think is certainly on the rise. And are they top two in the Eastern Conference? No, but I, I think the key part of this, because they, they have like kind of, they have 10 solid dudes, right? Like they're good at every starter spot. And then on the bench with Wright, Williams, Huerter, um, Gallinari and Giang, like they're they're pretty solid on the bench too. The X factor for this team, and we saw him come in in the postseason and have a bit of an impact. If Cam Reddish is anything, then all of a sudden this Hawks team is really really good. And I um, I meant to look up their salary cap situation, but you look at that type of depth that they have and the the talent that they can kind of throw together. It would be interesting to see them try to make a run at a, a star player if a star player were, were to, to come available. Now, salary cap-wise, they have some pretty big contracts on there. Like, like Collins um, is at 23. Gallinari's at 20. Capella's at 18. Bogdanovich is at 18. I didn't even put... Oh, Bogdanovich is a starter. Duh. Uh, Bogdanovich is at 18. They're going to have to pay Trey Young a little bit more. So cap-wise, it'd be tricky to get it done, but that also means... If they wanted to make a run at a, a Damian Lillard, if Dame became available, or if they wanted to, to throw their hat in the Ben Simmons ring, you have a couple of big contracts with Gallinari that you could throw in there, Capella that you could throw in there as well. They have some guys that you can throw into those deals to try to make them work. I think Atlanta's a really interesting team. I think that playoff run is just the start of things. We, we've seen one-hit wonders in this before. I don't think Atlanta is that. The Boston Celtics, I've kind of hinted at this for a little bit. I am down on Boston this year. I, I think Tatum is ready to take a next step, but you need Smart and Brown to take another step. You need Williams to take about four. And admittedly, every time I've seen Williams play, he's been really, really good. Uh, but that's because he was playing the Raptors and he just ate them alive. Uh, a team that really didn't have a whole lot um, defensively last year with bigs. He was able to kill them. He needs to do that against everyone now for this team to be where a lot of people are thinking they're going to be. And then um, they need Horford and Schroeder, uh, Schroeder sorry, to 
get back to their normal powers again. So th there's, there's just too many questions in Boston for me with a rookie head coach and a rookie GM, by the way. So I, I think this is a down year for the Boston Celtics. The Brooklyn Nets, the most talked about team, probably in professional sports right now. No Kyrie Irving. I'm not breaking any news to anyone here. Anyone listening to this knows Kyrie Irving ain't playing for the, the Brooklyn Nets, at least to start this season. It's obviously frustrating, but they have done a great job of building depth. This is when you have Durant and Harden, you are considered a super team. This is the best depth I've seen on a quote-unquote super team, right? Like, they, they have the top two guys, and when Kyrie's around, they have a top three. And then they have, like, Blake is not what he used to be, but he's something. And same thing for, like, Joe Harris is a solid backup. And um, Patty Mills, also solid. They got Millsap basically for free. Millsap, again, not an all-star, but he's something. This is a deep Brooklyn Nets team. I, I like them a lot. Interesting the loss against Milwaukee, and that's going to be a matchup that we're, we're probably going to be building towards in the postseason, but it's, it's one night and they've had a lot going on around that team. Year two of LaMelo for the Charlotte Hornets. The, the key for Charlotte, because you know LaMelo is going to be really, really good. They need Hayward and Oubre to kind of be best case scenario if this is a team that wants to take a step in an improved Eastern Conference. That, that's just, that's kind of the only way I see them. Like, LaMelo is probably going to take another step, but the only way I see this team really growing is if Hayward is the Hayward from a few years ago and if Oubre is what everyone's wanted Oubre to be forever. I don't know if it's happening. I think this is going to be another around 500, maybe below 500 year for the Charlotte Hornets. It was an offseason of change for the Chicago Bulls after a trade deadline of change for the Bulls that cost them a draft pick, but really set the table for the direction this franchise was going to go. You get a full year now of Vucevic. They go out and acquire DeMar DeRozan. They get Lonzo Ball and you get Levine coming back from the Olympics. I like Ball a lot. I, I never really wanted to because of how his dad behaved, but he has certainly faded into the background over the last little bit, so um, I don't want to say credit him, but it makes it easier to like. And I like Vucevic a lot, and I like Levine a lot coming off of that Olympics. The fit with DeRozan is definitely interesting, and... A bit concerning, I think, but I also think people are overrating that a little bit. I think this is a pretty good Chicago team. And again, when we're talking about the next star to potentially become available, they have set themselves up in a pretty good way to, to maybe go out and make a move for that. Cleveland, a team that no one's really high on. Uh, we'll get to, to season predictions in a little bit. There are pieces on this team I like. You have Sexland with Sexland and Garland as your, your guards, and then... For Biggs, Mobley, and Allen, I think this is an interesting team. If Markinen can be anything, then all of a sudden you got a pretty solid five. In the East before, that's probably enough to get into a playoff spot. The East has improved this year, but I, I think Cleveland might is actually going in the right direction. I get that they're maybe not stoked on paying their guards, but I like Allen a lot. I, I think Mobley is really interesting. I was kind of searching his name out for defensive player of the year, and I actually never found the odd. Yeah, the only time his odds come up is rookie of the year. I, th I think Mobley's going to be really interesting as a, a defensive player for, for Cleveland. I, I, Cleveland's interesting. Cleveland's going to be one of those uh, league pass teams for me this year where, oh, Cleveland's playing? Okay, cool. This team isn't. Uh, Detroit, next. They, they have Cunningham, which makes them a bit more watchable, but this is still a bad team. And this is probably a team that I'm only going to see the couple of times they play the Raptors this season. The Indiana Pacers. Health is the key 
for this team. Um, already dealing with injury issues for Levert and with Brogdon. I like Miles Turner a lot. He was a problem when the Raptors played them in the playoffs about five years ago. And I, I think he has just continued to be a problem. I, I like Levert quite a bit. I like Brogdon a lot. Th this team, depth-wise, isn't really there. And because of that and having potential health issues, I don't think this is the year for the Pacers. There's a lot of people talking about the Pacers trying to put something together for uh, Ben Simmons. And if, if I'm Philadelphia, it's basically, okay, give me your entire starting unit because that's all you have. Um, I just, I, I don't see it with, the, they have pieces that I like and pieces that I would like, would have liked the Raptors to, to, to try to go and get. I was really hoping for, uh, hoping for Allen to the Raptors this season. He's someone who I target in NBA 2K. Uh, for whatever that's worth, but I've, I've always liked Allen and Turner, and they obviously don't get either of them, but I I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Turner is like a big off-season move for the Indiana Pacers, because I, or, sorry, trade deadline move, because I just, I don't see it with the Pacers this season. Miami, they go out and get Kyle Lowry, um, their official theme song is the rap verse from The Rock in that Tech 9 song, and if it's not that, it's that, oh, who was it? The dude from... Ah, I'm blanking on Fort Minor, I think. Uh, the dude from Lincoln Park, the 20% the skill, 80% load, some of the power and will. Th this is going to be that team. We are going to hear all season long about how damn hard this team works and how gritty and grindy and all of those things that this team is. And to their to, to be fair, that's going to be them. But every goddamn game you watch these guys, it is going to be, oh, well, they really make you battle. Oh, there's Kyle Lowry taking a charge. Does anyone work harder in the league than, than, than Jimmy Butler? Well, maybe it's Kyle Lowry. And if it's not those two, maybe it's Bam Adebayo. Like, you, you are just going to hear that all year long for Miami. My issue with Miami is P.J. Tucker is starting for this team. And that concerns me. P.J. Tucker at this point is kind of... At this point, to me, he's a defensive sub. And also, I think he's maybe a little overrated defensively. Oh, man, look at the job he did on Kevin Durant. Oh, how did Durant do? Well, Durant got 38 and 9, but still, look at the job he did. Okay, so he kept him under 100. That's great. I think P.J. Tucker's a bit overrated. And offensively, he's just a zero at this point. So I, I think I think that the Miami Heat are going to be a pretty easy team to defend this season. So I, I don't really think Miami goes very fast. Now, if the kids take a step, like if Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero get back to bubble areas, I guess, uh, or bubble level, that's what I was looking at. If if they get back to, to those levels and maybe beyond, then like this is an interesting team and it's going to be a good team, but it's just the, the PJ Tucker thing, the, the, the Heat kind of needed uh, Kyle Lowry to bring Pascal Siakam with him because uh, this team needs a four. PJ Tucker is not the answer. The defending champions, Milwaukee Bucks, the now 1-0 Milwaukee Bucks, after an opening night win over the Brooklyn Nets. Still not the deepest team. I'm still not a big Coach Bud fan, but they still have Middleton and Holiday and Giannis. Maybe Bobby Portis has seen the light after his postseason run and is now a, a fantastic option coming off of the bench. They still have a lot of pieces that are like, and they are still one of the top two teams in the Eastern Conference, but they just have a couple of things that I'm not a huge fan of as we get down to the nitty-gritty of this season. The New York Knickerbockers. Can I just say, I know I kind of have hard-eye emojis too much for the marquee franchises in sports. Maybe none more so than the Knicks. There, there are a lot of teams I talk about, like, oh, the sport is just more fun when Team X is relevant. The Knicks are my 100% always team with that. I think sp 
sport is more interesting when the New York Knicks are relevant and when you have Madison Square Garden being what it was, minus, you know, some of the offensive stuff. But when you have Madison Square Garden being the place to be on a Thursday night NBA TNT doubleheader and it's the Knicks against whoever, it sports are just more fun when the Knicks are relevant. And the Knicks are relevant now. I don't mind the offseason they have. You, you go out and get Kemba. There's the obvious hometown story. There, there's the stuff that he, has, that, that he has done at Madison Square Garden in college. Which, by the way, was like my peak time of watching college basketball. And it hurts my soul now that the guys who were playing in that time are now the, the old veterans. That, that hurts me as a human being. But... Uh, I think Kemba, because he's not going to have as key of a role this year, I think Kemba is going to be an interesting fit for this New York Knicks team. He's not going to be relied on. How do you hide him defensively is going to be a key, but you have one of the best defensive coaches in the league in Tom Thibodeau to help get that figured out. The other issue I may have with him is Tom Thibodeau likes to ride his guys a lot, and I don't think Kemba can hold up to that anymore. So I, I have a couple of concerns there. I really don't like the Evan Fournier contract. And as, as someone who wants the Knicks to be relevant, that one hurt me greatly. Not greatly, but that, that was kind of a, oh, I wish you didn't do that one. I think he's one of the more overrated players in the league, and he's not super highly rated anyway. That's how low I think of him. I, I'm not I'm not an Evan Fournier fan, and to be relying on him at all kind of concerns me. But this is still a, a strong team. The, the interesting part for me is twofold. A, can you get another season like that out of Derrick Rose, especially after the, again, in very Thibodeau fashion, kind of ran him into the ground in the postseason last year, and how does Randall respond from being a, a net zero and that on his best days in the playoffs. How does he respond from that? It's going to be interesting for the Knicks, but I think they're a good team, and I'm, I'm interested to watch them this season. The Orlando Magic are up next. Uh, this is going to be a quick one. I don't think they're very good. I'm interested to see what Suggs does. This is a bad landing spot for him, though. I, I think he's going to be able to put up a lot of points, uh, and he's a, an interesting option for Rookie of the Year because th there is going to be a lot of just, hey, go. Because there's not a lot on this team. He's plus 750 to win Rookie of the Year right now. I think Terrence Ross... If Terrence Ross is on this team the day after the NBA trade deadline, I will be stunned. I, I think that he would be an interesting ad. He could even be potential buyout for Orlando and a potential buyout option for a team like the Lakers or... Uh, or the Brooklyn Nets or one of those teams um, after trade deadline time. And he could be one of those guys where it's like, oh, Right. That's an interesting addition. The other one interesting spot for me for Orlando is who and what is Wendell Carter Jr. If he's anything, then that then this season becomes a success for the Orlando Magic. They have the Jonathan Isaacs thing hanging over his head over this team, but yeah, I just they're not a great basketball team. Speaking of teams that have situations hanging over their heads, the Philadelphia 76ers and this drama got real interesting over the last couple of weeks where Ben Simmons wasn't going to show up to the team. The team was going to fly out to see Ben Simmons. He was like, nah, I'm good. Ben Simmons shows up, surprises the team, and it's okay, well, maybe the, they can figure this thing out. I was skeptical of that because it wasn't just the drama that was going to hold this team back. It's the basketball fit that's the issue. And then, apparently, he was not in the right mental state to be practicing. He was just sticking around. He gets suspended for the first game of the season. Ben Simmons 
not being with the Philadelphia 76ers was a distraction. Ben Simmons now being around the Philadelphia 76ers is a problem. He is going full James Harden on this thing now. But instead of showing up with a beer gut because the guy likes posing on Instagram too much, he's just showing up and trying to ruin things. So I would imagine that trade gets done. And what's forgotten in all of this is this is still a very good Philadelphia 76ers team. And the key for them is how... How healthy is Joel Embiid? You got a pretty full season of Joel Embiid last year, and we saw where it topped out. They need to get something substantial for Ben Simmons, and they need to be able to take some of the load off of Joel Embiid because it's just it's too much on him right now. The Toronto Raptors, the team near and dear to my heart. Pascal Siakam is out to start the season. We thought Goran Dragic would be as well, but he starts the year on the Toronto Raptors. We'll see how the, the hometown crowd reacts to him. The main issue for this Raptors team, because I still think defensively, you have Van Vliet who can be a dog defensively. You have OG who could be a sleeper pick for defensive player of the year. You have Scotty Barnes, who we all assume is going to be a very solid defender as well. And you have Nick Nurse, who is a defensive mastermind. The issue is if you get through that, at the rim, there isn't a whole lot there. And this is where it's going to be an interesting season with, with Birch, with Boucher, and with Precious. Because Birch, uh, a solid big man, but how is he as a rim, rim protector? Boucher, we've seen, tries really hard, but when you're giving up 100 pounds at the rim, it becomes a bit of an issue. And I like Precious a lot. And I think he's going to be another one of those, like, he, he's coming from the Miami culture, and we're going to hear about how damn hard he works this year. But I think there's going to be times where he's undersized at the rim as well, and that's going to be a problem. And, and so I, I just think the Raptors defensively, you have a great defensive-minded coach, but last year at the rim was a problem for this team. I just, I've said it before, I think you're relying too much on best-case scenario out of basically everyone to get this team back into a playoff spot. I, I think they're going to they're going to be a difficult out for teams, and I think their best-case scenario is kind of what Memphis was last year, and maybe they can get that. There's that championship pedigree from a couple of years ago, but I, I think it's going to be a long season for Toronto. Their opening night opponents, the Washington Wizards, I've talked about it before, I like this team a lot. Now, there's a ceiling to that, of course. But th this is a team I was disappointed today when I came on and saw I couldn't get to the over-unders anymore because I like Washington. You, just, you look at the roster. Dinwiddie, Beal, KCP, Rui, who's not in tonight, but still. Gafford, Bryant, also not in tonight. Uh, Montrez Harrell and Kyle Kuzma. That's eight guys that you just feel good about putting out on the floor. And then you have um, uh, Neto, Ab Abdija, and Bertons, who at least can be good. I would not rely on that consistently, but you can at least see flashes from them. So on your best night, you got 11 dudes that you are comfortable throwing out there. That means a lot in the NBA. We've talked about all these teams that have depth issues. When you get to the playoffs, I don't think depth really means jack shit. We saw that with the Raptors um, when they were getting punked by LeBron's. Oh, yeah, but the, the bench unit, like, look how deep this team is. And LeBron's like, ha, don't care. You, you still need superstars. And th this team has one in Bradley Beal. We will see, though how what the ceiling is on Bradley Beal is your best player because I think behind him now death wise you like this team I like Washington quite a bit but again there's a ceiling on that we'll get to standings finishes here in a moment moving to the Western Conference it was an underwhelming offseason for the Dallas Mavericks who always seem to finish second on everyone now this was not a year for free agents and we ended up not getting all the player movement that we thought we were going to get 
when you have Luka, you always have a chance at a championship. But they, they need something else there because KCP isn't it. So I, I think you either need a primary ball hander, uh, handler sorry, to take the ball away from Luka a little bit and just give him a bit of a break. Or a you just need a better Robin to Luka's Batman. With that, th- this team would be very, very, very good. They just weren't able to find it this year. Um, Perzingis... Even I've given up on him, and I was a huge Porzingis fan when he was, again, with the Knicks. And the, the trade to Dallas I thought was one of the, the all-time bad trades. And he's just never clicked with the, the Mavericks. It just It's never worked for him there. No Murray hurts the Denver Nuggets, who are next up. But still, I think people are focusing on that maybe a bit too much. You still have uh, Porter Jr., Gordon, and Jokic. That's still a solid top three, big three, whatever. Jokic can handle the ball a lot. I don't like the the backups they have behind Murray for a lot of this season. And then you add add Jeff Green as a a solid bench player. I think this is still a pretty good Denver Nuggets team. This isn't championship level good Denver Nuggets, and that's where they would be with Murray, of course. But this is still, I feel like teams are kind of overcorrecting when it comes to the Denver Nuggets. The Golden State Warriors are one of the more intriguing teams this offseason, as you have Steph Curry, who was unbelievable in that play-in game against the Lakers. They come up just short. He's unbelievable against the Lakers on opening night. And when you have Steph Curry, you have a chance. They are potentially getting Klay Thompson back um, right around Christmas time, sometime in January. I say potentially because this was supposed to be the case last year, and then he goes down, and this was still a playoff team. Clay's impact is going to be what it is. It, it, even if Clay is just the Ray Allen to the 2013-14, uh, more 2013, uh, Miami Heat, then th- th- that is massive. And Clay uniquely set up for that role anyway. That one game where he scored like 100 points and dribbled twice. He, he is someone who can set up that way. The big key for Golden State, if they get anything out of the kids, whether it's Wiseman, whether it's Kaminga, or whether it's Moody, if they get anything from those kids, then this is a team that can threaten for the top spot in the West. Like, the This is a team that is just one piece away and has just been one piece away since that one piece left in Kevin Durant. And obviously the injury issues that happened against the Raptors in the NBA Finals were what they were. But this is still a team that if Wiseman can figure it out in year two, or if Kaminga and if Moody can have any kind of an impact on this Golden State team, this is a really good basketball team. And we'll get to them in a little bit. I think they're going to be a problem in the Western Conference playoffs. Out in Houston, Jalen Green is going to be the main thing to watch with Houston this year coming out of the draft. Obviously, he was interesting because he did his stuff in the G League. Christian Wood is a polarizing player when you listen to different NBA shows. He is talented, but maybe not the best dude to hang around with and be on a team. Like He, he kind of screams good numbers, bad team kind of a guy, and that always concerns me. My main thing with Houston, I need to get Eric Gordon out of there. I, I want Eric Gordon to be on a championship caliber team because I'm... I, I just, I can't quit Eric Gordon. And there was a while where that was not an easy island to be on, but I, I think his kind of second career resurgence here or act two of his career has really, I, I don't know if he's ever going to reach potential people thought he was going to get to, but I do think that he has been a productive member on teams. And if you can, if you are again, I think he'd be a great fit for Milwaukee. And I, I think he'd be interesting on Brooklyn. I think he'd be interested. Like just any championship team, he is making them better. I, I need to get Eric Gordon out of Houston at some point this season. The Clippers talk about teams that need best case scenario out of a lot of dudes. First off, we have no idea when Kawhi is going to be back. And we will never know when Kawhi is going to be back. Kawhi could be in the starting lineup 
at warmups for a game and then still miss three weeks after that and just like peace out for a bit. We have no idea what we were getting with Kawhi. Paul George stepped up in the playoffs in a way that I don't think a lot of people thought he could. And that is a big step for him. But this is a team, like they need Reggie Jackson to be playoff Reggie Jackson again. And then they need uh, either Zubats or Man or uh, Batum to step up in a in a way that is unreasonable for them to, to expect them to step up. This is a team, this is going to be a tough year for the LA Clippers. The good thing for them, and we'll get to this in a little bit, the West isn't super deep this year. So that helps the Clippers out, I think, quite a bit. The LA Lakers are next. And I, I don't... The Lakers have been broken down to death this, this entire offseason. And you saw night one. It, it, it's a tricky fit. The, the one thing you do like from a, a Laker perspective, I think people were kind of underrating the addition of Carmelo Anthony. I thought he was lights out for Portland in a couple of those games in the playoffs. And he can provide that again. It's an interesting fit. When you have the four of those guys out there, though, with AD, LeBron, Melo, and Russ, spacing-wise, it's weird. All of it is just, it's its all just weird, that that whole team. And it's its one that is set up better for 2K than it is for uh, the, the actual NBA. Because in 2K, if you put LeBron at the two, ah, you're fine, you'll figure that out. But it, it's just, this is a, it's a weirdly built NBA team, and I don't, I don't know where the improvement is coming from. But again, you have LeBron and you have AD, so you're going to be fine. And this is, we'll get to in a bit. This is a team that I have high hopes for going forward. The Memphis Grizzlies. I don't know if there was a team that disappointed me more this offseason. I loved this Memphis team and watching them last year, and especially in the play-in game and then into the the playoffs. I adored watching this Memphis team, and I hated that they got rid of Jonas Valanciunas. I thought he was a good fit for this group. I just, I, I didn't like that one at all. And you bring in Steven Adams, who I think is pretty well done and, and at his best was kind of overrated anyway. And it, it just, it kind of took some of the wind out of the sails for me for this Memphis team. They're still going to be tough to play in, uh, to, to play against, but I, I just feel like that their peak right now is at a play in level. And looking at where the improvement is coming from, like obviously maybe John Morant has another step to get to, but it, it's Jaron Jackson Jr. We talked about this with the contract extension the other day. If he can be what a lot of people think he's going to be, then this team has a potential to, to maybe take another step, but they they kind of need that from him this year. Now, if you think he's going to do that, do that. He's plus 2,500 to win uh, most improved, and you're probably going to hear my mouse click because I, I see that one. We're just going to put a little bit of a thing on that there. And... Uh, just gonna click that button. Don't worry about those sounds there. Uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves are next. When is this team gonna be good? I feel like everyone just kind of they give this franchise a pass because they're so irrelevant. Carl Anthony Towns, at a time, the top prospect in all of basketball, and D'Angelo Russell. There, there was something there, and now Anthony Edwards, freakish athlete, put you to Wantanabi on an NFT, which is the new putting it on a poster. I'm assuming. I don't know. I don't talk to people who are cool enough to do to know that. But I don't think this team gets enough credit for how shitty they've been for forever. It boggles the mind to have a player the level of Carl Anthony Towns. And I don't want to be too hard on the guy because he has gone through just ridiculous amounts of personal loss in the last little while, and so legitimately my heart aches for him like that 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 cannot be easy to go through all of that but 
This is an organization that has managed to screw up a kid who looked unscrew upable. And then getting D'Angelo Russell, it was supposed to be, hey, they get along. So maybe this is something like there's just there's nothing there. And I just I wonder when that next step is going to be taken. It kind of feels like they need to blow this thing up, but you don't want to give up on a prospect that was such a sure thing like a Carl a Anthony Towns. On that note, the New Orleans Pelicans. Zion's hurt already, so that's not great. JV, I feel like they saw, like they just went on YouTube, searched Jonas Valanciunas three-pointers. Oh, the guy can shoot from three. Well, let's get him to be able to space the floor a little bit. And it's like, he can space the floor. He doesn't, but he can. That That's not his strength. Like he, he can pop out there a couple of times. This whole team is just a weird weird fit with Zion, with Ingram, and now with Jonas Valanciunas. And then, like, they, they didn't want to pay Drew Holiday, but now he, like, he was the second to third best player on a championship team, and boy, wouldn't that be a nice piece to have right now. I, I think this has been just a, a spectacularly screwed up organization since they got Zion Williamson. To not be able to take advantage of AD and then Zion, that is really, really tough for uh, New Orleans fans. Oklahoma City, there isn't a whole lot. Um, SGA, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and Lou Dort are fun, but this is a really, really bad basketball team, and that's all you need to really say about that. The Phoenix Suns, the darlings of last season, they come up with uh, two wins in the NBA Finals, which they needed two more. It's basically, can they regain the form from last year? And there, I see no reason why they would not be able to. The only thing is the Aiton contract a distraction, as that was talked about um, at the, the beginning of the season. But th this is still a very good basketball team. The, the, the concern is, does Chris Paul break down? We saw in the playoffs that doesn't necessarily go well for this team. So kind of learning what to do when Paul's not at his A game, when Booker's not at his A game seeing where they can go with that. The Portland Trailblazers. There's a lot of talk about Portland and Dame Lillard and some of the struggles that that team could potentially have. I think people are overstating that a bit. I think this is still a good basketball team. It's just they're not a championship level team. And that could be where the frustration is with, with Dame Lillard. But you, you look at it, Lillard, McCollum, Powell, Covington, and Nurkic. That's still a good starting five. It's just, again, there, there's a ceiling to it. If this team decides to, to blow it up and start over, I don't think anyone's going to be stunned, but I, I think people are going to be surprised at just how good, this is still a good basketball team that the Portland Trailblazers can put out on the court. The Sacramento Kings, they have guys who I like, like Fox, Halliburton, Heald, Mitchell. Like the, I, I am interested in those guys, but again, this is still a team that feels like a couple of dudes away right now, and... They're a team that certainly gets talked about enough as being a, a bad organization. San Antonio Spurs, it's just, it's a very flawed roster. I think this is now the year that San Antonio really bottoms out. Uh, I know Greg Popovich is a, a, a fantastic coach. I I almost wish he would have retired before this year because I, I think this team is going to be really, really bad and I, I don't want to remember Pop in this way. If this team gets to even 35 wins this season, then Greg Popovich should win coach of the year. And the Utah Jazz, this is it for Utah. For for this era of Utah Jazz basketball with Gobert and with Mitchell, this needs to be the year this team takes a gigantic step. Just having a good regular season is not going to be enough anymore. This is a team that needs to elevate to a championship level, and if not, I think they blow this thing up. It's been a weird time 
for Utah the last two years. You like Connolly, they bring him in. He's a little banged up now. I don't know how much you can rely on him. Donovan Mitchell, the situation with the injury last year, it kind of felt like last year was going to be the tipping point and then kind of all was forgotten. But when he misses game one in the NBA playoffs, that was a bit of a, oh, okay. And it did not seem like anyone was happy with how that situation was handled. And Rudy Gobert last year with the COVID situation, like it just, it feels like there is something getting in this team's way of getting to a championship level, we will see how they're able to handle that. Um, I, I still think this is a good team, but I, if they if their season ends the way I'm going to predict it ends, then this is going to be a very difficult offseason for the Utah Jazz. So, how do we have them all shaking out? In the Eastern Conference, I have, just quickly, because it doesn't translate great when someone just lists off things, um, but... Eastern Conference, I have Brooklyn as the one seed, like I talked about, I just, I like the depth there, even though they lost to Milwaukee. Uh, Milwaukee too, I still have Philadelphia at three, I feel like Joel Embiid is enough to get you the three seed in the East, and I was looking at it, the top six in the East, boy, some of that looks familiar, doesn't it? Because uh, you got Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Atlanta, the Knicks, and Miami. We've talked about the East improving. I don't know if anyone has leapfrogged those teams. I, I still think the Knicks are good. I still think Atlanta's good. And I, I talked about how flawed I think Miami is. It, of, of those six teams, it's obvious that Philadelphia could be the one that falls and Miami could be the one that rises up. In the play-in, I have Washington taking on Chicago and Boston taking on the Pacers. I have Washington 7, Chicago 8. I got Boston in the 9 and Indy in the 10. Then Charlotte, Cleveland, Toronto, Detroit, and Orlando. Uh, so East playoffs, I have Washington beating Chicago in the play-in. I have Boston beating Indy in the 9-10, and then I have Boston beating Chicago in the, the second play-in game. I have Brooklyn beating Boston in like two, um, I think that playoff series last year. Again, my first round seems very familiar, doesn't it? Uh, cause I have Brooklyn beating Washington. I have Milwaukee, or, sorry, Brooklyn beating Boston, Milwaukee beating Washington, Philadelphia over Miami, and Atlanta taking on the New York Knicks. And I have the Knicks winning this time. I have Brooklyn getting past the Knicks. I have Milwaukee getting by Philly. We get the Brooklyn-Milwaukee matchup again. The, I just, I couldn't, as improved as some of these teams are, and as much as I would love to throw Washington in there as much as I've talked them up this season, it's just those two and everyone else right now. And unless the Philadelphia 76ers pull off some kind of wizardry in a Ben Simmons trade. I don't see anyone knocking either of those teams off. I have Brooklyn going to the NBA Finals out of the East. In the West, uh, in the West I have Phoenix as the one seed, then the Lakers, Utah, Dallas, Denver, and Golden State. Like I said before, like Denver's big three is still really good, and I think Golden State, Curry's going to be good enough to keep this team above water, and then Clay Thompson coming in the midway point of the season is just going to... It's just going to, to give this team a boost. I, I think they're able to avoid the play-in game this year. Uh, in the 7-8, I got Memphis-Portland. In the 9-10, I have the Clippers and New Orleans. It was tough to get to 10, and I, I was kind of thinking the hot take would be the Clippers stay out of it, but like it, it just it falls off very quick in the West this year, which is something we haven't said ever. Um, and then quickly out of the playoff spot, it's Sacramento, Minnesota, Houston, Oklahoma City, and San Antonio. In the play-in, I have Memphis beating Portland in the 7-8. The I have the Clippers beating New Orleans in the 9-10. And then I have Portland losing to the Clippers. So the Clippers get the 8 seed. And then this is where the hot takery begins. And we're projecting a lot here. 
But at this point, I'm assuming Kawhi Leonard is back. I think the Clippers upset Phoenix in the 1-8. I think the Clippers, as an 8 seed, move on. The Lakers beat Memphis in the 2-7 game. Golden State beats Utah in the 3-6. And I have Dallas beating Denver in the 4 Five. This was very much like the March Madness bracket where you get to the, the last region. It's, oh shit, I haven't picked any Cinderella's yet. All right, six and eight, moving on. Um, Lakers against Clippers. Maybe that's why I wanted to set this up, but that would be so much fun. Lakers Clippers in the one four. I got the Lakers winning that. I have Dallas against Golden State in the other semifinal. I have Golden State winning that. Lakers against Golden State in a seven game series. I do have the Lakers winning that one. So it is Brooklyn against the Lakers in the NBA Finals. And I have Brooklyn as your NBA champions. I have Steph Curry as your league MVP. I think Steve Nash is going to win Coach of the Year for getting the Brooklyn Nets to the one seed with no Kyrie Irving. And I get, oh, he only had James Harden and Kevin Durant. That that could be held against him. But I just, I don't know any other coaches that are going to have to deal with some of the questions that he has to deal with this season. Maybe Doc Rivers at 2,800, but I, I think that there's going to be maybe not the, the highest of opinions of Doc Rivers this season. Um, other ones to, to talk about, like I just mentioned, uh, I think potentially there's a Jaron Jackson Jr. for most improved. And that's pretty well it for the, the prediction. So there you go. NBA, uh, Brooklyn over the Lakers in the NBA Finals. I know it is very, very unpredictable. music that you hear on Couch Potato Diary, provided by Wasted Talent. Find them on Instagram, at Wasted Talent, with X's where the A's would be. Whew, that was a lot of me. Uh, okay, in the NHL, I think we need to chill on the, the Sharks, the Sabres, and the Habs. The Habs are 0-4. That's the one that you believe the most, because there's no Carey Price and there's no Shea Weber. I know I said Montreal was a playoff team this season, but I, I was I wasn't really hopping on a bandwagon with that one. There wasn't a lot of people behind me on that. And it's one where you can see, oh yeah, no, this makes sense. The Sharks and the Sabres being good. Bad teams have good three game stretches all the time, literally all the time. So th this is not something to get too worked up about even a little bit. For, for Buffalo or San Jose, if they're even still good by December, I will be absolutely surprised surprise there'll be a, a time in november there might even be a time later this month where we talk about hey remember sharks sabers yeah <laughs> that was funny i don't think this is anything to overreact to at all they're bad hockey teams and they're, they're going to be treated as such it's just hey they won three games in a row i can't tell you the amount of times doing flame stuff where you a, a bad team comes in and, oh this team's actually kind of hot right now they've won three in a row happens all the time let's not overreact to anything that's happening in the NHL right now. Uh, just quickly on the Flames, they're just not a good hockey team. Um, and I, I've been saying this for a bit. It's the same problem they had last year. Oh, well, look at the, look at the advanced metrics. And well, pff, ran into a hot goalie. They don't have the finishers on this team to take advantage of some of the stuff. Like to to outshoot opponents the way they have, or the way they did against Anaheim. Fantastic, great. Yeah, John Gibson's a good, whatever. This team does not have the finishers to take that next step that this team is going to, to need to play the style of hockey they want to play. They're, they're going to have to rely on gritty, bouncy, weird goals. And I, I just, I don't think this is the team for that. So I think it's going to be a long year with the, the Calgary Flames. In the NFL, 
I see you, Tennessee Titans. I thought that game was going to be an absolute ass kicking and it wasn't. And the Titans come away with a big win. And as soon as we buy into a team as the best team in the NFL, they fall off, right? Like it's, oh, hey, look at this. Maybe Kansas City. Yeah, they're, they're going to, oh, Kansas City lost. Well, look, maybe it's, maybe it's Tampa Bay. Oh, they lost to the Rams. Oh, maybe it's the Rams. Oh, they lost to Arizona. Hey, maybe it's the Chargers. Got their ass kicked by Baltimore. Now we just have no idea. And it's, that's the fun part of this NFL season this year is that there are a bunch of teams right now that if they went on a run and won a championship, you're not stunned by it. It makes the week to week so much fun. I don't think the Titans are in that spot, but you look at that division. Titans are going to the playoffs. They could almost start resting starters now. The, the Titans, I think they need to figure out that, um, that defense, but for this division, if they're cool, just making the wild card round every year, then this is a team that's set. Thursday night, no Baker Mayfield for Cleveland against Denver. This is a must win for Denver. If they want to do anything in the NFL this year, this is a team that needs this win badly against a beat up Cleveland Browns team coming off of a short week. There was so much momentum off of Denver, um, A, in the, uh, in the preseason, and now after three very strong weeks, and they haven't looked close against any of these, even just average competition. After this, like they got big brothered by Baltimore. They lose to a Steelers team that is difficult to lose to. And don't let the 10 point spread fool you in that Raider uh, Broncos game. Cause they, they weren't close in that game either. So th- this is, this is a game that Denver needs to win to stay relevant. Otherwise I'm, I'm not really buying anything from Denver the rest of the way in the CFL talking about teams that have regained relevancy. We talked on Monday about how the CFL West had a chance to kill the Stampeders dead and didn't. And now they add a guy who was one of the best defensive backs in the league in Trey Roberson. This is a huge addition to this Calgary Stampeders team. And all of a sudden they are looking closer and closer to the juggernaut that we've seen over the last little bit. And now them going up against the Riders, a chance to move into second in the CFL's West Division. And again, it's they're, they're not just getting, oh, well, it's two wins against Ottawa and then one against Edmonton. Let's see. It is wins against Saskatchewan and BC, the teams that they needed to beat to prove themselves. This has been an incredible stretch for the Calgary Stampeders. And once again, the Bombers have a chance to play Dream Crusher. Uh, Crusher sorry. They essentially ended the Edmonton Elk season. Edmonton, I said, Edmonton was facing them at the worst possible time. Now I think BC is getting that as well as they, they could really put themselves behind the eight ball with a a loss. Like this was a BC team that needed a matchup against uh, an Ottawa or an Edmonton in the worst way to kind of get back on track. Now with Calgary and Saskatchewan playing, If BC loses this game, you are four points out of second place. And we've talked about it before. That crossover into the East, that's no guarantee. I'm not the biggest Trevor Harris guy, but Trevor Harris going to Montreal with no Vernon Adams, that keeps Montreal interesting. And Hamilton is still good. Toronto is as good as I kind of thought they were going to be. So this is a must win for BC, which means they're getting the best team in the league at the worst possible time. And in baseball, talking about a game that you needed, the LA Dodgers. Again, we talked about this a little bit in the the play-in game. Welcome back Cody Bellinger as it was a disaster of a season for him 
And all of that is gone away with a couple of key hits in the postseason. And this is why you don't give up on talent like that. This, this is why, even with a bad season, you put him out there every day. You continue to show faith in him, and you don't just bail at the first sign. Because that talent, he didn't forget how to play baseball. Are there still some issues with him? For sure there are. The swing can get a little long at times, absolutely. But when he runs into one, holy crap. And you saw that the other night. And this, this, we now have a series in the NLCS, I, I have here Dodgers needed that win. I mean, no, duh. They didn't want to go down 3 nothing in a best-of-seven series. But that's a monumental win for this Dodgers team. And you don't want to call them the plucky underdogs because, again, look at that talent. But it, it's th- this is a great example of why guys who have been good in the past get fourth and fifth opportunities to, to prove that they are good. Astros and Red Sox, the story in this is the umpiring again and it it feels like whenever anything bad happens in major league baseball like baseball is walking such a fine tightrope right now of relevancy where like we have all these good exciting young players and then one ump screws up something it's oh well see this is why i can't do it but it's just you sit through three and a half hours of a sport you'd like for the umpires to not be the main story coming out of it but again they were they were in that dodgers giants game and they were last night uh, a one-two pitch in a key situation, gets called a ball, and the Astros score a thousand runs after it. It's just, it's so frustrating to see the umpires be the story again and again and again. And you could say, well, just quit talking about it. But they they force themselves in that conversation, and it is incredibly frustrating to see. That's going to do it for the show today. That was a lot of me. So thank you guys very much for tuning in. Have a... A good next couple of days planned. The Sports Rundown podcast that I am on with the Fresh Take Network. We are um, coming up after Crown Jewel tomorrow. We're going to be taping a a reaction show to that for the WWE. So tune in to that one to pay attention to the social media uh, channels for that. And then Friday, have a special guest that we're hoping to get lined up. Um, It's been back and forth a little bit. Should be good to go for Friday, but we'll we'll, we'll see how that one goes. And then, of course, we're going to be running through the NFL and everything going in combat sports, including Fedor is back fighting this weekend. This could be one of the last times to see one of the greatest of all time. And I think a lot of people forget how good this dude has been for a long time. So we're going to chat about that coming up on Friday. If you have anything else you'd like to hear on the show or anything you'd like to see from the show, send them my way on Twitter and Instagram at primetimecline, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. You can email the show, couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. The music that you're hearing is provided by Wasted Talent. Find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent with X's where the A's would be. And find their producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. We had no idea it was supposed to come out today. Things a little delayed will be coming out later this week. That's the general history podcast I'm on as well. This was a lot of fun. Hope you guys enjoy the basketball and everything else going on in the fun world of sports. And I'll talk to you guys later. I'm out.